previously on Film Code. Phoenix's code word left the guys flummoxed and furious. What did you pick? Well, I'm not, com I'm not confident at all anymore because I interpreted this year as 2020. So, oh. <laughs> um, but I had pain and gain. Um, there's an American flag in the background. If you mm -hmm. can see that, um, it had Mark Wahlberg and Anthony Mackie who were in The Banker and Spencer Confidential. There's a basketball scene in there somewhere, I think. And um, but this year is now 2021, so screwed that one up. But <laughs> we did not communicate at all on this, but I went with the same thing. I went with pain and gain. However, I did not mess up the year. Um, Dwayne the Rock Johnson is in this. He's not listed as the lead on Letterbox, but in other places he might be. The lead of Black Adam in 2021. Well, I am happy to say you're both wrong. Made <laughs> it too hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, I thought this was incredibly easy. Uh, Let's so, hear it. Let's hear so, it. Yeah. Uh, when I said American, obviously, I meant uh, a part of America. One of the lists that I have on Letterbox is a list of American cities and states in film titles. This movie is on that list. <laughs> it is actually Compton, meaning straight out of Compton, 2015, starring, <laughs> starring. Where's uh, the basketball scene in that movie? Well, I the basketball, th thank you. The basketball reference refers to the producer of the film, Ice Cube. Oh my Q, God. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll see you guys later. <laughs> the big three. <laughs> you said that was easy. <laughs> You really said, oh. you really said with confidence. Oh, it was <laughs> oh, well, the producer of it. It has nothing to do with basketball. Ice one. <laughs> this has the most producers and writers I've ever seen on any movie ever. Oh my God. There's like 15 producers. I had a code word, but now because Phoenix royally messed us up. I will now be coming up with a new code word oh. that will be a lot of fun. And I, I support this. <laughs> if, if it's if it's impossible, I support this. Oh, man. Will the guys be able to end the drought this week? Or will Nick's revenge plot prove fruitful? Plus, the guys discuss the brand new 2021 movie, The Little Things. And a discussion on their top five best biopics of all time. All that and more on this week's episode of Film Code. You are now Film Code. Start program. What's up, guys? Welcome to Film Code. Thank you so much for clicking on this episode. I'm not even going to try to remember what episode this is. That's Phoenix thing. Um, <laughs> thanks so much for clicking. My name is Nathan Pig. So happy you joined us today for Film Code. I'm joined by two of our great co-hosts. Phoenix, what's up? Welcome back to the show. Yeah, what's going on, man? Super excited to be here, ready to talk this movie. 
and uh, some other exciting things we got planned. Yes, sir. And on the same screen as myself, sitting right next to me, how you doing, Nick? Doing well. This is the uh, the first time in, in a long time that Nathan and I actually went to a theater and there were other people inside the theater. So that conversation will be making an appearance later on in the show. But super excited to talk our first 2021 film. Yes, and that first 2021 film that Nick is referring to is The Little Things. You know him, didn't you? Then you had that one little feeling. But you waved it away. You should have listened to that one little feeling. Just like I'm listening to you now. You can talk to me. I'm all a friend you got. You're not exactly a department favorite. Things probably changed a lot since you left. You still gotta catch him, right? Yeah. Not that much has changed then, right? <laughs> I can assure you all we are taking a 24-7 all-hands-on-deck approach to these cases. Guy's a shark. If he stops, he dies. He likes to drive. Probably has a decent car, maybe two. High mileage. He must really like my car. I do. How's the trunk space? Something I gotta know. How's a guy with the best clearance rate in the department work 15 years without a promotion? Maybe I didn't go to the right church. When I look in your eyes, what I see, it ain't good. He knew all the details, but he wasn't within 10 miles of the killing. Why ain't that? Why is that? How's the trunk space? What do you want? I want to nail the bastard. For who? For all of the girls he killed. I want to nail the bastard too. Difference is, I'm doing it for me. It's the little things, Jimmy. It's the little things that rip you apart. It's the little things that Get you caught. This is starring Denzel Washington, Rami Malik, Jared Leto, and a host of others. What a fantastic cast, first of all. I just want to start with that. An incredible cast. No matter how you feel about this movie, there's no denying that they lined up a trio of Oscar winners. All three of these actors have won an Oscar at some point in their careers. Incredible. So we are talking about the little things. What we're going to do is a non-spoiler review for the first few minutes, and then we will jump into spoilers. So if you have not seen the little things, we are talking non-spoilers for the first few minutes, and then I will very clearly communicate when we're crossing that bridge over to spoiler talk. Before we get going, make sure you follow the show over on Twitter at FilmCodePod. We do tons of great stuff to interact with you guys. And yeah, let's get started talking about the little things. So whether you saw this on HBO Max, whether you saw it in the theater, our three hosts range as far as that's concerned. I think we have a different experience, but let's talk about first impressions and non-spoiler reviews. Phoenix, you watched this late at night on HBO Max. 
quite a different experience than how Nick and I watched it. Tell us what your thoughts are. Um, yeah, it was a very different experience. This is one of the first movies we know that HBO Max is doing their entire 2021 slate this way, where they're releasing movies in theaters and on HBO Max at the same on the same day. Um, I took it. This is the first time I took advantage of it. Uh, last time was Wonder Woman. I went and saw Wonder Woman in theaters. This time I was like, eh, the 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 critic response wasn't great, so I was like, eh, I'll just check this out on on at home, and uh, eh, I prefer the theater experience <laughs> a lot more. But uh, this was still pretty cool. Uh, the movie itself played decently. It looked great on HBO Max. That was a plus. Uh, and overall, I actually really kind of liked this movie. I thought it went uh, in a different place than any than most serial killer films go. And I just, uh, I really enjoyed, I mean, it's really hard not to enjoy performances by three Academy Award winning actors. Like even given less than stellar work, they still managed to to pull it out, and I think they did a great job with what they were given. So overall, I, I really I really enjoyed the little things. Yeah, I was gonna say Nathan and I kind of went into this um, like we always try and do, not looking at the letterbox score or looking at other people's reviews, um, but we kind of knew both of those. We had seen that uh, someone on Twitter, I think it was discussing film, gave it two stars and, and said that it was uh, like not good. Um, I saw a couple people say that it was like a seven. I saw that it had a 2.7 on letterbox and that it, the highest was like a three and it went down from there three or two and a half two. But honestly sitting here telling you, I don't think it was as bad as, as a lot of people think. I think that there's definitely some things that, that stand out for me as, as things that I wasn't too favorable on, but overall as a film um, going into it, I just wanted to like it and, and not be bad. And that's what we got. So for me personally, I am very familiar with John Lee Hancock's work of his six or seven. I think it's seven Seven. feature length movies. I've seen four of them now between the highway men the founder, the blind side, and now the little things. I think he's a good director. I really do. But I do think this was a step back. And I do want to touch on what Nick said. Um, it, it, it wasn't horrible. Absolutely not. It wasn't horrible. If you just purely looked at the reviews and made your judgments off of that, you would think this is horrible. It has a poor letter, letterbox score, people on Twitter just dragging it. But it seems like all three of us went in knowing that and still thought it was just fine. And, and absolutely, there are issues, absolutely, for as talented as these three actors are. I think two of them just give average performances, and, and we'll get into that as well. But when Nick and I both left the theater, we kept talking about how this is not like seven. This is not awful. What, what are people saying? Are expectations too high now? Like, we get it. We we get it. This is a, a tired plot line, these murder detective plot lines. But I don't understand what people truly hate about this movie. And we'll get into the, the details and spoilers about problems right now, actually. So 
We're going to break the seal. We are talking spoilers for the little things. And just to preface, I want to compare it to a few movies that will be spoiled as well. So I will also be talking spoilers for Zodiac and Seven by David Fincher. So the little things, Zodiac and Seven, spoiler warning for all three of those coming up. So Phoenix, why don't you talk about some spoilers for what you did like, what you didn't like, just plot wise in general for the little things. Take it away. Yeah, so uh, the idea, let me get this uh, synopsis out of the way. So the plot is Deke, a burnt out Kern County uh, CA deputy sheriff, teams with Baxter, a crack LASD detective, to nab a serial killer. Deke's nose for the little things proves eerily accurate, but his willingness to circumvent the rules embroils Baxter in a soul-shattering dilemma. Meanwhile, Deke must wrestle with a dark secret on his past. Um, okay, so I feel like the synopsis, at least, is executed to perfection. Um, that is exactly what happens. Uh, Denzel Washington plays uh, John Deacon, uh, a.k.a. Deke. Uh, Rami Malek plays the uh, uh, LASD, I guess, police officer or whatever, detective, Detective Baxter. Um, and they have a very interesting chemistry together. Um, you can tell that these these are two people who have never worked together, and uh, <laughs> and this is pretty much like a feeling out film for them. Like I think they do a a pretty swell job actually uh, for not work having not worked together, and this being their first film, I think they do a fairly good job in their, I wouldn't say entertaining, but they're they both give strong performances. Um, that being said, this story, I think it's good. I think it is really good. I think if you went into this expecting like a seven or a Zodiac or something like that, it would leave you disappointed because there's not that catharsis. There's not like, we get him, you know what I'm saying? We get that guy and, and, and yeah, fuck yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's not that it's very much a internal uh it's this story is more about the detectives than it is about the serial killer so if you were looking for that then i can see why you would be disappointed but overall i thought it was a fairly good film there's a lot to unpack there and i'm sorry if it's very loud our washing machine is being very loud but nonetheless um i have to disagree on one portion of what you said about the strong performances Rami Malek and Denzel Washington are fantastic actors. I'm not denying that. There's there's no doubt in my mind that they're great actors. Of, of course, Denzel is iconic, legendary. And Rami Malek is, is one of the hottest young actors on the rise. Hottest in terms of, of value. Um, <laughs> oh. Yes, just, just needed to clarify that. But nonetheless, I, I think they give two forgettable performances. I don't think they're bad. There's nothing that either one of these great actors does that I say, wow, they're, they're, this is a bad performance. No, I, I just think it's very forgettable for them. No one's going to think of Denzel's iconic career and think of the deputy he played in The Little Things. Mm-mm. Nobody's going to think of Rami Malik, at least now, even now, and think The Little Things. They're going to think of Bohemian Rhapsody. They're going to think about how he's the villain in No Time to Die. They're not going to think about this. And 
if they had given stronger performances, sure. Was there not a lot to work with for them? Sure. I get it. But I, we're extending a little too far past my reach saying that these two deliver good performances, at least in my mind. It's just okay. If you replace Denzel with some other actor that we had no idea who he was, I don't think it changes much, except for the marketing. Same goes for Rami Malek. I mean, that's just the way it is in, in my mind. But Jared Leto was the best part of this movie, in my opinion. Easily delivers the best performance. If you're looking to cast some creep, some guy that is just going to freak you out when you watch, Jared Leto's got to top that list, and that's some odd talent to have. But once again, he just kills it. He's dynamic. Not saying he should get nominated or anything like that, but we talk about perfect castings all the time, and for what this character entails, I think Jared Leto did the best job that anyone could have done. Yeah, I was going to say, I I can agree with Nathan. Um, I think, while I don't think it's on the level of extraction, where they just kind of put a name, a big name in a movie to get views, I don't think it's on that level, but I think that the performances and even the characters that Malik and, and Washington play could have been replaced with regular people. And while I don't think it would have the same draw to the movie and it wouldn't still have the same star power, we would still kind of get the same thing out of it. Uh, but as, as far as what, what Phoenix said earlier about how it's not really a serial killer movie, it's more of a, a cop movie um that that's what i said to nathan um as far as they don't really focus on who it could be they don't really you know give us as the audience any time to think it could be somebody else in prisoners and um you know like nathan mentioned earlier in zodiac like throughout the movie you're like oh it it could be them but it also could be this person they they don't really give you any of that and i feel like that's kind of my biggest issue with the film i don't know how you feel about that phoenix um it was an issue for me but once i realized that okay this story isn't really about uh the killer necessarily it's about the officers um i didn't really it didn't really bother me as much uh, because I was like, okay, well, we're more focused on what these type of cases do to a person. That's That was the goal, I think, of this movie. Um, so in that sense, I think, I think you're right, Nathan, that yeah, these won't be the standout performances in, in either of these guys' careers. But I think as far as an interesting story, uh, like where, like what this is about and how it was delivered. I think they still do. I think they do a great job. I actually disagree. I think Jared Leto was one of the weaker performances of the film. I just, uh, I found his, his mannerisms and behavior to be very uh, uh, extreme. So like they weren't terribly believable. Uh, but that was just me. But um, yeah, overall, I, I, I just, I, I came away with this. I, I enjoyed it. This is something I would watch again. I think Denzel and, and Rami Malek did exceptional work with what they were given. And they weren't given much, but yeah, I think they did exceptional work with that. Um, one of the scenes that I think 
is is and this is this is total spoilers uh is when we finally get the reveal about what denzel washington's character did what deacon did um that that kind of hit me hard because i just i was not expecting that i don't know about you guys but was that something you saw coming or or was that just me hey not really it wasn't really something that i predicted or anything like that but it wasn't something that was all that shocking either. It just, to me, in my mind, it wasn't that big of a, a twist. I don't even know if that's the right word, but it wasn't that big of a, a reveal. It wasn't that big of a jaw drop moment. I, I don't know. Like you could tell he was damaged. You could tell something was eating him from his past. We just didn't know what it was. I certainly didn't think what happened was ultimately true, but when the scene happened where they show him shooting the girl, I wasn't like, oh, my God. I was kind of like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I, I did like those kind of elements to the movie where you kind of knew that something was always in the background. Like, you knew that there was something that was always kind of eating away at him because um, everybody kind of walked around like, oh, that's Deacon. That's, that's that guy. Like, you always just kind of wondered what – you know, why everybody was, was, was saying that. Um, and I mean, I'm not unhappy with the answer. I feel like unlike Nathan, um, but just speaking specifically about the red beret scene, I honestly kind of liked it um, for who the characters were and who they were going to be after this film ended. I think that was probably the best option to do for, the character's sake, um, if that makes sense. But I think Remy Malik's character was, like we talked about, going to be broken and and really going to be traumatized by this moment. So I think it was, and and they kind of set it up the whole movie about how, like he was this good holy roller, and you know, with him killing somebody at the end, at least with with giving him the red beret, that puts his mind at ease for for how you know, how the rest went. I don't know how you feel about that, Phoenix. Yeah, I actually really like that as well because it sort of wraps up uh, this story where you're like, yeah, like once you, like I said, once you realize this is a story about these officers and how these cases really do damage to a person's psyche, um, that scene I think was brilliant because it was like, okay, here's that, you wanted this guy to be the guy so badly that, you know what I'm saying? You have doubts, you're unsure, you, you can't quite nail him down. You don't know what's real. And, and you get that one clue that, that uh, you really appreciate that kind of settles you, makes you feel at least a little bit more comfortable with what you did. And then ultimately we find out he had just purchased it and but it was for the best it was the it was for the best just to help uh baxter get over this uh this this tragedy in his life and it just sort of ties back into what denzel was saying where he's like you know the past repeats itself and becomes the future you know what i'm saying it's it's just i thought it was just a really strong cop uh i guess psychological feature 
of this film. So that that's what I liked. Well, especially because we don't know who did it. They didn't. Right. They didn't give us anybody else who we were like, oh, well, it could be them. Because, mm-hmm. oh, the only other person that they introduced was some peeping Tom who eventually just put a bullet in his mouth. You know, mm-hmm. like, there, there's no way that we would have thought that it was him. There was no evidence. But in this, there was inconclusive evidence. He's being a weirdo. Like, we at least said to ourselves like oh it could be him you know what i mean so there was really nobody else that that it could be and i feel like it was it was a good ending for for me so i'd like to interject on a couple mm-hmm. things um definitely i like the aspect of denzel's character sending a red beret to rami malik's character to give him closure because denzel lived that trauma lived that being absorbed every day by your guilt and he did not want anyone else to feel that way especially a a friend and someone he worked with the whole movie from that standpoint of looking out for one another taking care of each other cop to cop or just person to person Mm -hmm. i like that standpoint what i don't like is what the ending sets or what the ending does as a result of the whole film. And this is where I'm getting into Zodiac spoilers, in case you're still here. Is I, I'm going to have to mute then. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll wave my hand in case when, when, you're, when it's good to come back. Okay. All right. So with this ending, right, you don't know whether Jared Leto was the killer the whole time or not. And that's fine. I'm all for ambiguity ambiguity endings. Inception, great ending, ambiguous. But with what this does, it doesn't set up enough people for you to know whether he was the killer or not. And I get it. It's it's about the detectives. But my big issue is, is since we don't know who the killer is at the end of the movie, there was nothing we missed from beginning to end from the opening scene till the credits rolled you don't get anywhere you're not moving down the road you don't feel like you've accomplished anything when watching this because they don't catch someone they don't nail someone for the murders and that's a problem so if you want to go for ambiguity right zodiac does that very well zodiac establishes two three four different people who you all think could be the zodiac killer And they spend bulks of time with each person. And I realize that Zodiac is significantly longer of a movie. That's not what I'm saying. It's just that through what Zodiac tells, you think, oh, that guy could be the killer. Oh, you know, 30 minutes ago, I thought it was that guy. But now I think it's this guy. And then they give you the ambiguous ending where they want you to think it's a certain guy, but it's not. You don't know that for sure. They just want you to think that. They lead you down that path, but they don't directly tell you. And that's where my problem lies with the little things. If they established two, three people that all could have been the killer, well, then it, I'm fine with the ambiguous ending because you're like, oh, it was it was Jared Leto's character. He was the killer. Oh, whoa, no, it's not. I guess it could have been him, but it also could have been the other two guys. No, this ambiguous ending makes it seem like it could be some random Joe who didn't get a second of screen time. And that's where my big issue comes. I was telling Nick that if I got a phone call or or something came up and I had to leave the theater 
right as the opening scene started, but Nick stayed and watched the whole movie. And then afterwards we were talking and I said, you know what? I don't care about spoilers. Just, just go ahead and tell me exactly what happens. Mm, really? What did I miss? Really? I, I didn't really miss much. I mean, sure. Jared Leto gets waxed with a shovel, but other than that, they don't catch the killer. They don't know who did it. Denzel really doesn't get that much closure. It, it, I feel like from point A at the start to point B, you don't get anywhere. And the ambiguous ending only has to do with it because they focused all their attention on a single antagonist. So that's my biggest beef with it. If you disagree, that's fine. But I think Zodiac handles ambiguity with a killer the best. And the little things almost handles it the worst. So we'll see what, what Phoenix has to say about that. As well, I just quickly before before Phoenix takes over, and, and I said this earlier, is that that's just how it is sometimes. Like, that's why there's thousands of unsolved cases is because sometimes mm-hmm. that's just how it be. Like, that's just, there's no evidence. There's no victims that can say, like, oh, it was him. There's no... Uh, you know, witnesses, that's, that's just how it'd be sometimes. And and I feel like for, for this film, that's just how it was. There was, there was no answer. Maybe if after the movie, they, they figured out great, but I, I just think sometimes that's just how it'd be when you're solving crimes. And, and that's just what this film was. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with that. I feel like it was, uh like I said, it just, it wasn't about, it wasn't about solving the crime and that that's where I feel like a lot of people may have been upset with this movie is that it just it wasn't about that it was mainly about the effects of these types of crimes on the people who solved them yeah and I don't want to I don't want to make our listeners think that I'm upset that there wasn't an answer at the end that's not what I'm saying at all I'm just upset that they focused all their attention on one character Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we don't even know if that was him or not. At least lead us down a road to make us think it was him. At least give us some clues as to, oh, it was probably a different guy. Or uh, that's just from point A to point B, from the beginning to the end, with the ending they choose, you don't really miss anything. You don't miss anything. I And I, I guess I can agree with that. Um, because, yeah, they don't really set up a viable alternative you know what i'm saying it's not it's nothing like there's nothing where you're like for me like i don't believe he he was the guy i don't believe he was i think uh yeah i think they do enough to make you understand that this is so clearly not the guy and that this is really really just an obsessive for them they want it to be him so bad that they're hyper focused on him and uh and they ultimately end up missing the right guy so like that that to me was what this was and uh yeah you can be underwhelmed with that but i think overall when you when you look at what we were what they were aiming for his involvement isn't as important as their story so i'd like to touch on a a negative thing or two that is not the the overwhelming side of things um this i wouldn't say this is ticky tacky or or petty things but it's things that as a screenwriter you've got to do differently 
And my biggest issue that doesn't come with what we just talked about far and away easily is the Rami Malik digging scene. I just Ooh. like you're a cop, you're armed. You can easily point the gun at him and say, start digging or I'm going to shoot you. And if Jared Leto's character was just such a whack job that he's like, I don't care. Go ahead. Okay. Well then just leave. Like I get it. I get that Rami Malik's character, the detective was so obsessed and blinded by finding out the answers. I understand that. But the fact that he was just digging all these holes by himself and getting bullied and pushed around by this could have been killer was so ridiculous to me. So ridiculous. You don't know. Sure. He patted him down back outside his house, found out he didn't have any weapons on him. But there are a couple times where Malik gets out of the car and Leto could have easily had a gun under the seat or in the glove drawer. I kept expecting that. I was expecting him to whip out a gun that he pulled out from under his seat or that he had stashed in the car. I was 100% expecting that. Also, when Jared Leto is trying to like sway him to get in the car for them to go to the site, I also think that's ridiculously unrealistic. I think, I think the detective in any scenario would have said, okay, I'll follow you in my car, right? but yeah. I'm not getting in your car. Sure, <laughs> you take me there. I'll follow right behind you. Ooh. I just, those are two things that you're straining so much credibility for me. You are. It's like, you know how in big sci-fi movies, they get these scientists or these experts to come in and say, what's the viability of this? I feel like they should have had a detective in the room during all these you know, post or pre-production designs <laughs> and screenwriting and everything like that. Because I feel like a detective would just been like, no, we would never do that. That is, <laughs> that is detectives 101. I just, obviously I'm not a detective, but that just strains too much credibility. I get he's blinded. I get he is so, so obsessed with, with finding out answers, but no, that just strained way too much credibility for me. Well, I want to ask this question because I, <clears throat> The more I think about it, the more I uh, really kind of like this. What if the guy that they first interview was the killer? Because I, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, and I did see this late. Um, I don't like after they question him. I don't believe there are any other murders that are committed. I, I believe. I think that the the girl that's the jogger that is the red beret story yeah i don't remember exactly where that happens timeline wise but uh -huh. i feel like it i feel like it does happen after but i could be wrong yeah okay okay i was just i was just curious because i feel like i mean it, it it depending on timelines that that is a pretty interesting subversion like you know you've been chasing this guy who you believe it is the entire time and maybe it was the first guy you interviewed and he just he 86 himself so he wouldn't have to answer for his crimes and and wouldn't know wouldn't be able to give you any answer so well, i think that would be an interesting swerve the one thing we're not talking about is is jared leto's character had two cars he had that bright vibrant green one mm -hmm. and then he had the the darker brown one that denzel asks about the trunk space and that's the car that they show several times. Mm -hmm. So 
sure, it could be a duplicate car. He could be innocent and just have the same car. It could be. But, I mean, that's something that, that we're not talking about, at least. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, there's a, there, I think that there's more story here. I doubt that they'll revisit these characters anytime soon. No. But, uh, no. yeah. But I, I will I will talk about some good elements, too, just so we're not dragging this movie. Um, like I said, I, I do like Jared Leto's performance, and I think it was fine. There, there was not anything that happened that was abysmal outside of Rami Malek's detective skills. Um, it wasn't consistently horrible. And this is where I want to talk about seven spoilers is all week I heard this is a seven remake. This is trying to be too hard like seven. Why? Because there's a black detective? Because there's murders? What, what about this is seven? Right? Like what? Detectives trying to solve a murder case that they don't know? If Jared Leto was making Rami Malek dig these holes and he was like, how are you going to protect your daughters when you can't even protect them? And he's like, uh, I killed your daughters or something. Then I would have been like, okay, wow, this is, <laughs> this is ridiculous. But it doesn't do that. Rami Malek's family's fine. Everyone's family's fine. So what about this is seven? Like we can sit here and we can say, this isn't that great of a movie. But we can't say it's seven. Come on, that's that's ridiculous. I think the 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 comparison comes in in that scene where it's like we know like in seven they were the the Brad Pitt's character and Kevin Spacey they were alone for a moment of period. They're both in like this wide open area, and you know he eventually ends up killing him. Uh, right. And in this pretty much same thing, they're in a wide open area. They're alone. He ends up killing him. Black detective shows up as it's too late or whatever. Like that's the whole, that to me is the comparison, just the basic standard scene setting. So say it's like seven. Don't say it's a direct copy of seven. Don't say it's trying to be like seven. It's not. I mean, that's just, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's, that's all. It, it's just very set up in the, in the exact same way. And um, listen, Seven is one of the best, <laughs> you know, serial killer type movies there is. So, like, if you're drawing comparisons to that, it's for good reason. I mean, that's a great movie. That's the kind of company you want to be in. But uh, overall, this isn't this isn't as good as Seven. Make no mistake about it. Uh, <laughs> but right. it's it's good. I, does, I I enjoyed it. Does anyone have any final thoughts? Um. Yeah, I think that I think that expectations were a little bit too high simply because of who was in it. And I and I agree. I mean, I think you should set your expectations high when you have three Academy Award winners. But uh I think marketing kind of doomed this movie. Um I think revealing Jared Leto like as the suspect was the wrong way to go. Like it would have been fine if you if you did it in a way where, you know, he was, you could show that he was in the movie, but not necessarily a suspect. Um, yeah, yeah, I was that, gonna say that. That's the only thing for me is they literally just were like, "Oh, yep, here's your suspect." Yeah, and then here's it Jared was, Leto. And that was and it, and and for him being the only suspect the entire movie, I think it just and, it, it hurt the overall. Feel oh, one hundred percent. And 
that was my biggest gripe too, was that he was the only suspect. But the other thing I'm talking about marketing and then this will be the last thing is we literally talked about our 2021 most anticipated either right before Christmas or right after Christmas. And I need not to tell you guys when Christmas is in relation to 2021, mm-hmm. but I remember Nick said the little things on one of his most anticipated lists. And then it, it, it was, it was out two weeks later. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it's like it came up out of nowhere. It's like it attacked us. If Nick didn't mention the little things, if we didn't do so much research as far as trying to find out our favorite upcoming 2021 most anticipated movies, we wouldn't have known about this. But then commercials start playing a week before it's released, and we're like, oh, that's coming out now? Mm-hmm. Wow. Personally, I had no idea when it came out. No idea. So the email – or email. The Ooh. marketing in general – failed this movie i i completely agree yep and i like john lee hancock as a director i think we can all praise the blind side nick and i both yeah. like the founder uh, i wasn't a big fan of the highway men but nonetheless i think john lee hancock's a, a good director but this was just a, a fine movie and that's what i'm going to keep coming back to so let's give final scores nick why don't you start us off yeah i mean for me it's three stars um I think both Nate, it was like the reverse of every single movie that we watch. We went in with low expectations and it didn't have that low of, of a movie. I mean, it's just, it's right in the middle, three stars. I would consider the middle um, of just something that I enjoy, but I know that it's not a, a, a bang, bang out movie. I'm going to have to echo that three stars. Uh, I, I, I liked it. I thought it had some strong elements. I would watch it again. Um, yeah, it just it didn't hit it out of the park, I think, which was what everyone was expecting. But overall, I think it, it I thought it was fairly decent. Um, and I thought it was interesting and a, and a strong story. So I liked it ultimately. Yes, and I am going to hit that same wave as well. It's three stars for me. That's a B minus on the scale. It absolutely has its issues, but it absolutely is not as bad as everyone's saying it is. If you're going into this expecting it to be seven, if you're going in expecting this to be an absolute mind-bending thriller, it's not. But it's just a fine film, and that's the word I'm going to keep recycling is fine. So it's three stars. It's a B minus. Better than Mank, I'll tell you that. So what? let's move on. It's better than Mank, Jesus. So <laughs> we're moving on to what's good, guys. So what's good, what's good, what's good. What's good from you this week? What have you been watching that you can recommend? Well, I am going to go with a movie that I saw years ago, but recently uh, caught again. And it reminded me why I loved, loved, loved this movie and adored this franchise for so long. So I am recommending Twilight, the first Twilight. Uh, I love this movie. I'm not being like ironic at all. I really fucking love this movie. I love Twilight. 
I thought it set up the the whole story, the whole premise, fantastically well. Huge fan of Robert Pattinson. This is the movie that he started his career with. So to me, like I just I love this movie. It's it's one of my favorites. So I'm uh, what's good for me is Twilight. Absolutely. All right. Well, Nick, what about you? Um. Well, probably nothing movie wise. Um, but Nathan and I have been watching The People versus O.J. Simpson. We're about halfway through that, and that's been been really solid so far, just the perspectives that they tell and, and making everybody seem like they're the good guys in their own perspective. It's definitely a, a good series um, on Netflix, and I will be watching the O.J. Simpson Made in America documentary afterwards. Nice. Yeah, I, I'm going to echo that same thing. Nick and I have been watching a lot of things similar. Um, so OJ, the people versus OJ Simpson is, has just blown me away. I was someone that didn't know a ton about this case. So I wanted to check it out and it's been fantastic. It's got great actors, Sarah Paulson, Sterling K. Brown, John Travolta, as well as some people that you might not have heard of who have delivered just incredible performances. And one of my favorite things is what Nick just touched on is, you know, OJ did it. everyone knows everyone knows oj's guilty but what this series does is make oj and his group of lawyers seem like the good guys they paint them in a protagonist light and you often find yourself rooting for johnny cochran for bob shapiro for oj that's just the way the series goes and it's crazy that you're rooting for someone that you know killed two people so it's it's fascinating it's captivating over 10 or it's over 10 episodes fantastic i can't recommend it enough it is on netflix so please go ahead and check that out nick and i have really loved watching it and that's what's good from film code So we're going to move on to our discussion now. And after talking all week, we finally came up with something <laughs> late <laughs> last night. But nonetheless, it's a topic that I know we're all very excited to talk about. So we're going to give you our top five movies in each category. Today, we're starting with biopics. Somewhere down the line, we'll do sci-fi and horror and comedies, all the others. But for today, it is biopics. And this was a conversation we had is is biopic a single person or is it a group we decided to go with group because it's retelling true events so we will give you our top five hopefully these guys have some honorable mentions as well and we will go from there counting from five to one and i just want to emphasize we haven't seen everything we haven't there might be some some fantastic biopics that aren't on some of our lists or Phoenix might say something that's not on my list. Nick might say something that's not on Phoenix's list, vice versa. We just haven't seen anything. That's what you guys got to remember. And please keep in mind, these are our opinions, not yours. That does not make them right. That does not make them wrong. That just makes them ours. So with all that out of the way, Nick, why don't you kick us off with some honorable mentions for biopics that did not make your top five? Yeah. Um, so it's no secret that that biopics are one of my, my favorite uh, genres of films 
So this was definitely a, a fun way to start this category off. But some honorable mentions for me, Just Mercy. Um, Nathan and I saw this in theaters about a year ago. Fantastic film. Um, it'll definitely change your view on prison and, and death sentence and, and all that. So that's definitely a, a fantastic biopic. Um, Patriot's Day. That's another, um, like, I wouldn't say disaster. Tragedy uh, biopic um, about the Boston bombings featuring Mark Wahlberg. Weirdly, J.K. Simmons being on the screen for, you know, like 10 minutes. Um, and Kevin Bacon, a, a fantastic movie that that I just really enjoy on Netflix still, I think, maybe. So those are, are two of my honorable mentions. I could probably list another 10, but I'm going to keep it to those two. All right, Phoenix, what about you? Honorable mentions? Yes, sir. All righty. Uh, well, one of my honorable mentions is going to be a movie called The Runaways. Uh, this is the... <laughs> I know you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, that, Phoenix. Yeah, The Runaways. It's uh, the story of... Um, Oh God, what is her name? Uh, Brittany. She runs jo the marathon. <laughs> no, sorry, Joan Jett and the uh, Joan Jett and the Runaways. They were, they were the band uh, that Joan Jett started. Uh, I th I just think it's a, a kick-ass movie about you know this f uh, female-fronted band uh, who you know who who took the world by storm back in the '80s. So um, and it stars Dakota Fanning and my girl Kristen Stewart. So. I've already talked about Kristen Stewart. This is another one of the movies that I love her in. Uh, so yeah, that's that's one of my honorable mentions. My other honorable mention is going to be a fairly recent one, and that is uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, I do think it's not the best. I, I think it's it's quite far from the best, but it deserves an honorable mention. So that's uh, that's two all right. of mine. Jesus. Well. You, I'm sorry. Are you done? No. Okay. I'm sorry. There was. There's a lot of noise going on here. Sorry. Keep, keep going. Keep going. I'm sorry. Oh my god. No. So, uh, and the third honorable mention I have is going to be uh, La Vie en Rose. Sorry. Uh, starring Marion Cotillard. Uh, it's a story of uh this uh painter. Or, or sorry, not painter. Songstress. Uh, Maria. Maria Cotillard just kills this role. It's so freaking amazing what she does in it. So, like to me, that's just just for the performances alone. I think she she just owns this movie, and I love it. And it's a French film. You know, I'm always gonna praise French films. So, <laughs> and those are the honorable mentions for me. All right, wonderful. Well, kicking off my honorable mentions for the best biopics are Joker, Get Out. The Hateful Eight, <laughs> The Shining, and Toy Story. Right. Um, no, I, I'm just, I'm obviously <laughs> kidding. Uh, I just thought I'd th throw that in there. Um, <laughs> no, okay. So actually, as far as best, best and favorites, totally different, right? I decided to rank them by best. So here are my honorable mentions. The Wolf of Wall Street. This is a movie that seemingly everyone adores and drools over. I think it's great but I don't think it's that great. So it makes an honorable mention for me. The Irishman, 
A lot of people forget this was a true story. Some news has come out about Jimmy Hoffa recently, which is hilarious considering we know what happened. We know what happened to him, or at least we think we know what happened to him. Um, nothing about murder is hilarious, by the way. And then the two popes, <laughs> the two popes. Uh, this is a movie that I feel like I'm the lone defender of. I think it's a great movie and tells a great story about uh, two, the, the two popes. Exactly that. And then I lost my thing. Trial of Chicago 7. You know, this is my favorite movie of the year so far, having not seen Nomadland and the Father. I think this is the best movie. It's my favorite movie of 2020. Nonetheless, it's an honorable mention because the five I have before it truly are incredible biopics. But Trial of Chicago 7 is wonderful and that rounds out my honorable mentions sweet all right i was gonna say i'm just going through making sure that i haven't forgot anything all right so my number five and i feel like we stand this movie all the time here on uh film code and that's dark waters with mark Ooh. ruffalo uh tells the story about how DuPont was poisoning water sources for 40 years, something like that. Um, but this is this is a great story. I mean, it's it's still going on today. There's still lawsuits and litigation that that goes into to this. And I think this came out this came out in 2019. I think the most recent thing that they showed was like 2017, and it took place primarily in the the, the 90s and early 2000s. So this is still going on. This is something that affects everybody um, because you all, we all are infected. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a great movie. They take a, a really complicated thing and they make it really simple to understand. It's not like, you know, they play you like the dumb audience, but they just make it easy to understand. And when Mark Ruffalo is fantastic in this movie, his movie heavily, heavily flies under the radar. So that is my number five is Dark Waters. Okay, uh, one more honorable mention. Sorry. Uh, Good job, Phoenix. Yeah, thanks. It's going to be I, Tanya from uh, 2017, uh, starring Margot Robbie and Allison Janney, uh, the story of Tanya Harding. Uh, I just, I think it's a, an incredible story, and I thought it was very well done and deserved a lot more praise. But that's an honorable mention. So my number five is gonna be Milk from uh, 2008, starring Sean Penn, as uh, the story of Harvey Milk and his, uh, he's the first openly gay person to be elected to office in California. And his story, I think it's tremendous. It was a, a fantastic movie. Sean Penn kills this role. So yeah, for me, 2008 Milk top, uh, lands in my top five. All right. Well, my top five is stacked. I'm sure your guys is a stack too, but nonetheless, this is an iconic movie that is only at number five in my ranking. And that is Goodfellas. Um, once Ooh. again, another Martin Scorsese movie that a lot of people don't realize is a biopic. This is my third Martin Scorsese movie actually on this list. And it is the last one, but between Wolf of Wall Street, the Irishman, Goodfellas, Martin Scorsese, certainly knows how to make a biopic and of course knows how to make a gangster movie, whether you love those or you hate those. There's hate. no denying, there's no denying Goodfellas is a classic and a great movie. Uh, Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta. Fantastic, fantastic movie. 
you already know about Goodfellas. You don't need me to tell you more. So that comes in at number five. Ah, it's my turn. I forgot the order. So my number four is is another 2019 movie, not 2020, <clears throat> Phoenix. Uh, and that is Bad Education. I don't think you've seen this one, Nathan. Um, but this is about a, uh, what is it? Like superintendent of a New York school district who basically falls into this ginormous money laundering scheme and is just you know kind of put out on the rug um fantastic story again a heavily underrated actor in hollywood and that is hugh jackman one of my favorites um but this movie is fantastic again heavily 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 flies under the radar and and phoenix i know that you've seen this so Mm -hmm. hopefully this is on your list and not some other random movies that like two people have heard of i'm sure there will be more (laughs) all right so Fourth on my list is going to be a movie that I'm sure neither of you have seen, but is a classic all the way from 1993. And that is the story of Tina Turner and Ike Turner. What's Love Got to Do With It? Starring Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne. This is one of the best movies ever made. Uh, An incredible story of uh, Tina Turner's rise to fame and how she dealt with the abuse from Ike Turner is an incredible, credible story. They both were nominated for Oscars. Um, yeah, so it tops my list, top five. Uh, coming in at number four, what's love got to do with it? Once again, Phoenix with the, the classic pick the that nobody's heard of. <laughs> Everyone has heard of that movie. You guys, you guys are the ones that are late to the party. <laughs> well, my number four... It pains me to put it this low because this is a movie I'm a huge fan of. But nonetheless, I can recognize that there are better movies than this, even though it's still a fantastic, fantastic movie. And that's A Few Good Men. I will defend this till the day I die. Jack Nicholson, Tom Cruise, such a fantastic cast. It's just a great performance, especially for Tom Cruise and how iconic of an actor he is and how young he was in this movie. Of course, everyone knows the iconic line by Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth. That is Ooh. such a, a gut-punching moment in the movie. Getting context for it, finally, after, you know, there are some lines that you just know where it comes from, but once you get the context of what that line actually means for the movie, wow. I think a lot of people don't know what it actually means, and, and once you get it, it's crazy. But nonetheless, one of the best, if not my favorite, courtroom dramas uh, of all time. Fantastic, fantastic movie. It pains me to put it number four, but A Few Good Men is my number four. Don't forget that A Few Good Men lost Best Picture to Unforgiven, which is a bad movie. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for reminding me. All right. My number three, um, again, a movie that Nathan and I have seen recently. Uh, for some reason, this is another movie that people, I feel like, love to hate on for weird reasons, and that is Spotlight. Once again, Mark Ruffalo. But, but Michael Keaton is in this, Rachel McAdams, and it's hilarious. Nathan and I meme this guy. Who's the guy's name? So they're, basically it's like a group of four investigating the um, Catholic Church scandal. And you got the all-star cast of Michael Keaton, 
Rachel McAdams, Mark Ruffalo, and then just some other random guy who Brian Darcy, Brian Darcy James, yeah. Brian Darcy James. So what what a great cast to be a part of. But yeah, this, this movie's fantastic. Mark Ruffalo has a fantastic Oscar-worthy scene in this movie. I it escapes me right now if anybody won. I think people got nominated for their roles. Um, but this is just a a, a fantastic movie. Um, I, I love this movie and, and a great, um, what's the word for it? Like figuring it out kind of movie. So the, a better, a better term escapes me right now. Oh. Uh, okay. Doke. So as I've said many a times on this show, my favorite movies are our movie musicals. So you won't be surprised that the entirety of my list other than milk will feature, uh, pretty much music biopics um so number three oh, like la la land oh no not at all uh, <laughs> like so number three on my list is going to be uh 2004's ray uh starring jamie fox uh i think jamie fox kills this role uh for someone who grew up after you know uh Ray Charles's uh, rise to fame. It was cool to see the story of, of what, what he achieved, what he accomplished and how difficult it was for him. So, uh, and like I said, I think Jamie Foxx is, is stellar in the role. So number three is gonna be Ray for me. All right, number three is a movie that I talked about earlier this episode and that is Zodiac. This is a movie that has grown on me quite a bit since the first time I've watched it. I think I watched it three times in eight months, not because I wanted to, but nonetheless, I think this is just a fantastic movie. Absolutely one of David Fincher's best and just everything is stellar in this. The script, the storyline, the way they reveal certain things and when they reveal certain things, the acting by acting Titan Jake Gyllenhaal and then Mark Ruffalo. Uh, not a big fan of Robert Downey Jr. in that movie. But nonetheless, Zodiac is fantastic and worth all the hype. Phoenix, you got to check it out as soon as possible. So Zodiac is my number three. I've literally been toying back and forth between <laughs> these two films. Nathan said best biopics. So I... Have to go with best, not my heart. And so number two is The Social Network, Ooh. which it pains me to say that with it being my favorite movie. Um, but I think there's a biopic that's that's better than this. Um, Story of Facebook, I think one of only a few perfect movies. Uh, I think it tells the story of, of Facebook so well that two-hour runtime flies by so many fantastic scenes literally if you told me oh we're gonna watch the social network today i'd i'd be amped i'd be hyped um so like i said it it pains me to put it this low with it being my favorite movie but there's a better biopic out there than the social network oh i love to see what that is all right so my number two uh again keeping with my uh musical theme is going to be Selena, uh, two, what is that? Not even 2000, like 94, I believe. <laughs> 1994's Selena 
starring Jennifer Lopez. Uh, this is without a doubt, probably her most noted and, and certainly most uh, highest rated, I guess, film that she's ever done. And I think this was like her first film, but uh, yeah. Selena is incredible. It's it's one of those movies that has stuck with me throughout my entire life. 97, by the way, 1997. Um, also stars Edward James Olsmos. Almost, I'm always gonna mess that name up. Uh, is the story of Selena Quintalia, Quintan, Quintanali. Quint Who is Selena. that? She Who was a that? she was a uh, Mexican Tejano uh, artist, Grammy winning artist. She started with her band, Selena y Los Dios, and uh, eventually went solo. Selena is one of the best movies ever made, I will say that. And uh, Selena's incredible. J-Lo's incredible in this movie. Uh, she literally turned me on to Selena's music. I've been listening to it ever since. So if you have not heard of Selena, please check it out. Do yourself a favor, because it's one of the best movies ever. So... That's number two. <laughs> My runner-up is a movie that's already been talked about, a movie that we highlighted on this show for a full episode, a movie that I shafted the first time around and have learned to love. It's five stars next time we watch it, and that is Spotlight. This is the definition of a biopic. It really is. Um, I think this is one of, if not the best, best picture winner that I've seen. I haven't seen all of them. I've only seen 20, 22, something like that. Of all those, this is the best one. It's crazy. This is, this is the perfect biopic. It really is, especially when you're handling a matter that is so delicate and sensitive as what this case and movie tackles. It's, it's just incredible. It's incredible. And Michael Keaton delivers a performance that only a great actor can do. He was fantastic. Mark Ruffalo, especially that scene where they get into it with each other. Fantastic. Fantastic. I also want to mention Lee Schreiber's in that movie. He also is fantastic. So I keep saying that word. Fantastic. You get it. <laughs> I love it. Spotlight. Absolutely deserved one. Best picture. Wonderful, wonderful movie. One of my favorites and one of the best movies ever made. Damn. I, I love how, you know, Nathan and I talk about uh, Goodfellas and, and Dark Waters and uh, Social Network Spotlight and Phoenix over here talking about Selena. Selena. Come you on. You don't know nothing. Come on. Anything for Selena's. <laughs> All right. Well, We've talked about this movie a lot today, um, and this two-and-a-half-hour runtime, again, flies by. David Fincher delivers another fantastic biopic, and that is Zodiac. Um, the amount of realism and the amount of true-to-life that was portrayed in this movie is crazy. There's there's a YouTube video on online about how real this movie is and how they wanted to get the details down to the T um, realistic. And, and I love that about this movie. Once again, Mark Ruffalo, um, how many movies has he been in on my list? I think what, like three, 
king of biopics. Um, <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal is fantastic in this. Um, this is another movie that if you were like, let's turn it on right now, I'd, I would not even hesitate to say yes. So Zodiac, while I don't think it's a better movie and I don't love it as much as The Social Network, I think this is the definition of the perfect biopic. Ooh. David Fincher is king. All right, All right, Phoenix, excited for you to say something we've never heard of again <laughs> as your you, best biopic. Yep, and you will be surprised by that. So before I do that, I just want to mention two other films that I, I forgot to mention earlier. Uh, Malcolm X, uh, 1992, Denzel Washington. Uh, I don't think you get a better biopic than that. He kills it as Malcolm X. So yeah, that's it should be on my list, but I love movie musicals. So it doesn't make it. Uh, the other one is Dolomite Is My Name, 2019 with Eddie Murphy. I think he literally killed that role. I think it was the best comeback role I've ever seen. I thought it was an incredible story of, a, of Rudy Ray Moore, someone I did not know of and learned so much about. So I thought, so those two movies uh, I have to mention because I think they're incredible. But the number one movie on my list for biopics is it has to go to my idol, my icon, someone I love dearly, and uh, so happy to finally have a movie about him that is actually really good about his life and doesn't highlight the, the BS that comes later. So I am going with The Jacksons, An American Dream, uh, about, of course, uh, Michael Jackson and The Jackson Five. And it's basically starts from their childhood all the way until Michael becomes a solo artist. And it's a fan, fan, fantastic movie. I absolutely love it. Like I said, love movie musicals. So this tops my list. Yes, The Jacksons and American Dream. If you have not seen it, please check it out. It's a long movie. I think it's like four hours long, but it's fantastic. <laughs> it's 600 minutes. Yeah, it's long. <laughs> But it's fantastic. <laughs> the best, the best movie about Michael Jackson that, that has ever been done. Sorry, Phoenix. I don't like Michael Jackson, so I wouldn't spend five hours. Oh, okay. You're dead to me. <laughs> the only Michael Jackson song I like is I Saw Mama Kissing Santa Claus. That's it. <laughs> All right, ladies. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's reverse on back on course. Um, my number one. Do do we have any doubts? Do, do we have any doubts as far as what it is? Right. La La Land. <laughs> Inglorious Bastards. My number one is the social network. And ah. if there was any doubt, it, of, of course, of course. I think this is one of the few perfect films I've ever seen. Whiplash yeah. is one of them. Uh, Shawshank Redemption is one of them and The Social Network is another one of them and this movie is just it's perfect I'm actually surprised that you think Zodiac's a better biopic I thought for sure this was a shoe in but look it's, it's it's one of the best movies ever made The Social Network is I think Zodiac's a great movie I love Fight Club Fight Club has my whole heart but I think The Social Network is a better film and this is David Fincher's masterpiece this might be the best movie in the 2010s. Absolutely is one of the best movies ever made. When you talk about such an unlikable person as Mark Zuckerberg was at this time, 
if you idolize Mark Zuckerberg, if you like him as a person, there's no denying he was unlikable at this point in his life. To make him someone you can root for, a hero, and tell this story through the eyes of Eduardo Saverin, it's just fantastic. Nick read the book Accidental Billionaires that this movie is based on. I am in the middle of reading this book. And while it's a solid book, the movie just is is far beyond it. It's levels ahead. And what they're able to do with the double army hammers as the Winklevi and telling this story non-chronologically, it's it's just perfect. It's perfect. Even getting Justin Timberlake, a non-actor, someone who strength is as a singer and as an entertainer, getting him to play such a pivotal role in this story, and he kills it as well. The Social Network absolutely has to top this list for me. So it comes in at number one. So our best biopics that we've seen, and like I said, keep in mind, we haven't seen everything. Nick's was Zodiac. Mine was The Social Network. Phoenix's was The Jackson 5, something like that. (laughs) The Jackson's an American dream. Get it right. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Like I said, we haven't seen everything, but nonetheless, what we have saw, those are our best biopics. This will be some type of series. Come back, we'll be doing comedies, horror, sci-fi, all the genres we could think of at some point in the episodes following. So make sure you're following along with the show for that. And let's move on to our final segment. So, Phoenix, you last week gave this code word that was so ridiculously hard (laughs) and gave a code word with the movie was straight out of Compton and one of your clues had something to do with the producer. That producer was Ice Cube, but nonetheless, straight out of Compton had, I think, 17 producers, which is the most producers (laughs) I've ever seen on anything ever which is just ridiculous. So it was Nick's turn for a code word. And we decided last week on the show that because you stacked (laughs) the deck against us, Nick would stack the deck this time. And I will most likely get this wrong because it's extremely challenging. I am all for stacking the deck against Phoenix again, because that was (laughs) absolutely ridiculous. So Nick, it was your code word. It's extremely challenging if anyone can get this, why I'll, don't you at least, at least I'll, remind? I'll walk out of film code if, if, if anybody gets it. <laughs> so the film, the code word was water. It was from 2010 to 2019. The lead played a role in an iconic animated movie. And the producer worked on an all-American film. Phoenix is going first. Can't wait <laughs> to see what this man has. Okay, so I... Spoke. I told you guys yesterday that um, this was so super vague that I ended up with seven different answers. All of them fit, um, but I, I landed on one. So uh, what I want to do is I'll I'll give you my answer, and okay. then Nathan will give his. And before you reveal the answer, I want to tell you the other seven movies that I went <laughs> <Okay>. through <laughs> to, right. to to get to that. So. My answer is, uh, I'm going with, uh, I'm going with the assumption that you did what I did with Detroit, which is you put that water was in the title of the movie. 
So I went with Hell or High Water, a movie from 2016. Uh, Chris Pine, who stars in that movie, did the voice of uh, Peter Parker in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. If you're not talking about him, then there's Jeff Bridges, who also was in Tron, the original Tron. I don't know if you consider that an animated movie, but it is an iconic movie. Uh, And one of the producers was Sidney Kimmel, who produced uh, Synecdoche, New York, you know, New York, American, and uh, Moneyball, which is a movie about baseball. So that's an all-American film. So that was my guess, Uh, Hell or High Water. All right. Well, um, this was so hard, right? And this (laughs) is, yeah, intentionally, I, I support this. Um, but my answer is is cheesy. It it fits all the timelines. Don't get me wrong. Of course I tried, but <laughs> this is a bad movie. This is a movie I would not expect Nick to pick. But nonetheless, it is Baywatch. You know the <laughs> the laugh fest that Baywatch is. Right. I have seen this movie before, so this is this is this is fun. But nonetheless, it star. It, it fits the timeline. It stars Dwayne Johnson, who of course is in Moana, which mm-hmm. I would think is considered iconic um and then just like straight out compton there are several producers on this movie i think there's like 11 or 12 which is ridiculous but many of them worked on ghostbusters which i don't know if we're calling that an all-american film i don't really know what we're defining as that because apparently straight out of compton has something to do with all-american according to phoenix last week so we're kind of loose with that but but nonetheless um i'm going with baywatch it's a complete shot in the dark because really any guesses with this so that's my lot. My code. Lock it in. All right, Phoenix. All right. Let's let's hear your seven other movies. Okay. So, uh, going with water being in the title, the first one that I thought of was, of course, The Shape of Water. I know you guys have watched that movie, uh, right? Uh, Twenty seventeen. Sally Hawkins, who's lead in there, was in Paddington one and two, and J. Miles Dale, who was the producer, produced the movie Talk to Me. That was the only American film that he had done. So. That was one of my guesses. I didn't think it was strong enough. So I went to this movie. This is the end, uh, 2013, starring Jay Baruchel, who was the voice of Hiccup in How to Train Your Dragon. And Seth Rogen, who was one of the producers, produced a movie that I know, Nick, you like, which is called An American Pickle, which I figured, like, all American. Uh, there you go. You know what I'm saying? I was say that, that, that's a good word. Yeah. That's good all right. words. The next one was The Post, uh, 2017, stars Tom Hanks. And we know what Tom Hanks animated movie was, Toy Story. Steven Spielberg was the producer who has produced a shit ton of all American films. Where's the water coming Yeah, what does that have to do with water? I have no idea. I thought it was like a scene in the movie. So that was the only reason I, <laughs> I went with that. But that was the only reason I didn't pick it was because I was like, I can't, I can't find water. Uh, the next one was The Big Short, uh, 2015. Steve Carell was the voice of uh, uh, Groot, or Groot, not Groot. Crew. Crew in uh, Despicable Me. Arnon Milken was the producer who produced the movie called Once Upon a Time in America. So there we go. Uh, my next guest was Beautiful Boy, 2018. Aww. Steve Carell again. Uh, Brad Pitt was one of the producers who produced the movie Vice. What does that have to do with water? No clue. (laughs) (laughs) Hadn't seen the movie. (laughs) Uh, My other guest was The Other Guys, 2010. 
uh will ferrell was the voice of um i've seen all the movies you've yeah. just said like the last four or five and none uh, of them have to do with water exactly uh okay. will ferrell was the voice of uh i forget the dude's name in megamind uh patrick crowley was one of the producers who produced the born series so that's an american film series i also went with moneyball which was 2011 brad pitt was also in megamind where's scott, the water scott rudin was the producer and he produced the movie team america world police so Man, those were ignored water yeah those were all ignored. my guesses all right yeah, water didn't didn't come up in many of those so that's why well, i was stuck with hell or high water well I will say that none of you got it correct. So seriously, shocker, shocker. But Ugh. so the water came in. What, what types of of bodies of water are there? Right? There's oceans. There's lakes. There's rivers. Mm. There's streams. There's bays. Michael Bay was the director <laughs> oh, oh of God. this movie. The it was in 2016. The lead of this movie was John Krasinski. And he was in uh, Monsters University, which I would, with, which I would not call iconic, but he was in uh, Shrek the Third, Monsters vs. Aliens. Mm. Um, yeah, so he was in in some good. The All American comes from producer Scott Gardenauer, who direct, who was a producer on Pain and Gain, which last oh, come on, <laughs> which last week our code word was. <laughs> America and Nathan and I both guessed Pain and Gain. So this man was a director on Pain and Gain in all American film. So yes. the movie I is know. that's vengeance right there. Yeah, the movie is 13 Hours: The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, directed by Michael Bay. Wow. So there is the code word. If you're following along and you're like, "Wow, the, that was way too hard." How did you expect <laughs> us to know that this was an outlier? Because <laughs> Phoenix did this to himself. Yeah. Great revenge by Nick on putting Especially pain and gain in there. Produced, yeah, that was that was hilarious. That so, was good. That was good. Um, I love normally it. they are not that hard, but Phoenix, you know, <laughs> cut us cut us off at the ankles last week, so we had to hurt him back. That was good. Like I'm in on this. I have nothing. To do with this. I just support this. It's all right, all right, one hundred percent. Well, I do have my code word. Uh, mm-hmm. The Vengeance Tour is over. <laughs> so I have mine. It's normal. I ran my clues by Nick earlier, and he said it was too hard. So I threw in an additional clue that will hopefully help you. Also, the last two times I've had code words, no one's guessed. So I'm hoping you guys can at least produce some, some viable guesses now. All right. So let's get into it. Actually, a relevant code word that won't be impossible so so my code word this week the code word is women plural i feel like i've used that code word before but that's okay all right this is a mouthful for my clues i will send it in the group chat we will post it on twitter (laughs) but try to follow along here this is a mouthful all right the times 2014 to 2019. That's when this movie was released. Clue number one. I guess this is clue number two then. It features two Oscar winners who won for their performances. So if you're thinking this is a, they starred in a movie that won Best Picture, but they didn't win, no. This isn't Best Director, no. This is two 
actors that won Oscars for their performance at some point in their careers. It also features three actors who were nominated for a performance but have never won an Oscar. Ooh. And these are all not in the same movie, obviously. These are just in their careers. So two winners and three separate nominees that have never won. Ooh. Those okay. Nick told me those were that was too hard, so I threw in an additional clue that hopefully will throw you guys on the right track. One of those actors that did not win is a supporting character in an MCU Phase 3 movie. Mm. So, okay. there's a lot to unpack there. 2014 to 2019. Two people in this movie have won Oscars for their performances. Mm -hmm. Three separate people have been nominated for Oscars for performance, but did not win Ooh. and do not have an Oscar. One of those people that I just mentioned is a supporting character in a phase three MCU movie. Okay. And the code word is women. women. Hopefully that throws you guys on the right track. If you get it, I'll be happy. You know, I like doing this. I hope you guys do get it. Hopefully it wasn't too hard, but nonetheless, uh, a little Ooh. bit of digging will probably get you an answer. So this has been Film Code. Thank you guys so much for listening. Phoenix, where can everyone find you and, and tell you that your biopic list was wrong? <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter at IMHOReviews1. That's the number one. And on Letterboxd under PA Cloudin. And you can always follow the show at Film Code Pod on Twitter. And yeah. <laughs> All right, Nick, where can everyone find you to tell you your biopic list was right? Yes, you can find me on Letterboxd at Nick Spain. Um, like I mentioned yesterday in the WandaVision episode, lots of fun things coming out. Nathan and I have plenty of agendas to, to stick to. So here's some hot takes. Go like my Barry Lyndon review because I gave it two stars. Um, so, and tell me how wrong I was for doing that. All right. Well, my name is Nathan Pig. It's been a pleasure spending these last few hours with you guys. Thank you so much for listening. In case you did not know, in case you're a first-time listener, we do weekly WandaVision reviews for each episode. We did a Mandalorian Season 2 recap. Phoenix and I have done some collaborations. Nick and I are going to be doing some directors ranked, some franchises ranked. We have so much content for you here at Film Code. If you liked this episode and want to check out more, however you're listening to this, you can find our gallery of episodes i guarantee you you will have a whole day's worth of content we have so much content out there you just got to give us that opportunity if you're listening to us still chances are you've enjoyed this show if you could please give us a five-star rating give us a thumb a thumbs up however the review system works we are still growing we are still expanding just a simple act like that really goes a long way and we really appreciate it like i said my name is nathan pig you can find me on letterbox at nathan pig Throw me a follow. Let me know you're a fan of the show, and I would love to talk all things movies with you. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at FilmCodePod, on Instagram at FilmCodePod. You're missing out if you're not following us over there. And after that entire mouthful, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been Film Code. Peace. <laughs>